0: for me personally, my greatest growth in life has come from those moments where I've been in some difficult situations. I couldn't see it while I was in the middle of it. When I I look back on the situation, I saw, wow, look at all the things that happened internally within me. And uh, you know, the the reality is, is, is I think that something happened is when we're a prosperous people, it causes us to drift from God. When prosperity is abundant, we have this tendency to drift from God because we start saying, you know what? I don't need to rely on God. I don't need to rely on on what he says or what he wants me to do. I can rely on myself because I have all of this stuff. I can make myself make this work. But in difficult times, all of a sudden, we're, we're not ignoring God. All of a sudden, we're like, God, help me. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. When you're in a difficult time, you're like, man, God, I need you now. And difficult times cause us to run to God. It's like this atheist that was outside and he was walking through the plains of Alaska, just admiring all of the evolution that had happened in the world and thought, man, evolution is so amazing. Look at what has been created through the process of that that fish turning into a frog that eventually turned into a tree. I mean, this is unbelievable. And uh And as he's admiring this, he happens to stumble upon a bear and he's like, oh my gosh. And all of a sudden he starts crying out to God, God, you've got to help me. You've got to come and save my life. And all of a sudden the wind stops, the waterfall stops flowing. You know, everything ceases. The bear stops dead in his tracks and God appears. He's like, God, man, I know that, you know, I haven't believed in you. In fact, I've told people that you're a joke and and I understand if you don't hear my request, but man, if if you could just do this one thing for me, if you could just make this bear a Christian, man, it would transform everything. And God's like, you know what? I think I can do that. And all of a sudden the the wind starts blowing again and the waterfall starts flowing and the bear all of a sudden is about to jump onto him. And all of a sudden he smacks his hands together and says, thank you, Lord, for this meal I'm about to eat. I know, it was cheesy. I just couldn't help myself this morning. Um, <laughs> but difficult times cause us to run to God. But here's the thing that we need to understand is that difficult, God is not the creator of difficulties in our lives. Uh, so many people think God is the creator of difficulties. And, 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 you know, people ask all the time, why didn't God create a world where there was no evil and suffering in the first place? Why didn't God create a world like that? I mean, if I was God, that's the kind of world I would create. But if you were to look at scripture, that is exactly what God created initially in the first place. That's what he did. If you look in Genesis chapter one, verse 31, it said, God saw that all that he had made and it was very good. When God created the world, he didn't create evil and suffering. Man, he created this amazing place. And so I know some people are like, well, then where did all that stuff come from? You know where it came from? It came from our freedom to choose. It came from our freedom to choose because here is the thing that you've got to understand about God. God's greatest value in his life is love. And the thing about love is love is always determined by a decision because God didn't create us to be robots, right? You know, it's like I saw this little girl the other day and she had a doll and she would pull the string and it would say, I love you. I love you. You know, it was a computer. It was automated to say that that is not true love. It doesn't matter what that little girl thinks about that doll. That doll does not love that little girl. No matter how many times she pulls that string that says, I love you. Love always has a choice. And so God created all of us with a choice and he said, you know what? I'm gonna give them a choice to make a decision to love because love must always have the option to not love. The problem that we face is that we've abused the free will. We've chosen to reject God and uh, chosen to walk away from him most of the time. And uh, the result of that is that we've had some evil that's been introduced to this world this caused us to want to have a bailout in life. And there's a couple kinds of evils that we, we, we face uh, daily in our world. And the first kind of evil that we face is this whole idea of moral evil. It's this evil, it's the difficulty that results when we make choices to be selfish and we make choices to be arrogant and uncaring and abusive. And it's when we make those choices that this moral evil comes out. It's like the other, or a couple of months ago, or a couple, I almost, wait a second. It's about two years ago, so it wasn't a couple months ago. I was, at, I was at a Starbucks and I was hanging out and I was talking to this guy and we were having this really, really deep Jesus-centered conversation. And, and I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I love Starbucks. Does anybody love Starbucks out there? Can I get an amen, hallelujah, bless the Lord. Yeshua, Hamashiach, whatever you want to say it as, uh, you know, uh, however you want to call to Jesus. I mean, it just, that's where it's at. And so, I was at Starbucks, and um, we're sitting there having this conversation, and as we're having this conversation, my back is like to that little, to that area where they always have like the trash can, and you get your, your, get your sugar, and you get your milk, and you get all that stuff. Well, I'm sitting there having this conversation with this guy, and I noticed this little girl that's off and away, and I'm not really paying any attention because she's with her mom, but, but she has a doll with her, and it's it's like a Pluto doll, and uh, and so we're sitting there, we're we're in deep conversation, and all of a sudden, I see Pluto flying through the air, heading for our table. Now. Um that does not make me really happy because I know that Pluto can be very destructive to a Starbucks coffee cup. And so uh, next thing I know is Pluto has totally destroyed our table. Coffee is going everywhere. And I'm just like ticked off. I'm like, man, somebody is gonna pay for this. And so I turn around and I'm like, who am I gonna beat down right now? Um, Because moral evil prevails. And so I look and I see this little girl and she's got droopy eyes and she looks all sad. And I think to myself, I can probably take her. And so... (laughs) So I get up and I just pound her, you know, and it was all, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't pound her. But I mean, there's there's a moral principle there. You don't mess with certain things of men. You don't mess with their wives and you don't mess with their coffee. I mean, it's just something you don't do. Moral evil comes after that. But the reality is, is because this evil has been introduced because of our own desires, man, things happen and we do things that would hurt other people. In fact, James tells us this, temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to evil action and evil actions lead to death. You know, you think about most of the suffering in the world. The reason that suffering has happened is because of sinful, selfish choices you think about the 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 poverty and the um inhumane conditions that people face daily. You think about the famines that happen throughout the world. You think about the famines that are happening throughout Africa. The reality is if you go and you look at the world hunger statistics and you see the millions and millions and millions and millions of people that are out there that do not have a food and you were to look at the reality of the abundance of food supply that we have, you would realize that there is more than enough food for every single person every single day to have a 3,000 calorie diet. The reason that doesn't happen is because of corruption, because of evil uh, plans, because of selfishness, because people don't want to give up what they have, and the reason that that happens is because moral evil is prevalent in our society. And we're all guilty of making those sinful and those selfish choices in life. We're all guilty of that, and they end up having some pretty devastating consequences in people's lives. You know, and, and, you know, people say, how can God allow so many people to, to struggle financially? How can, how can God allow this, this turmoil to happen in our country that's happening right now? And, and if we were to look at the realities of it, you know, people were spending more than they were making They were leveraging credit cards to the max. They were buying homes that they should have never been able to afford, lying on applications so they could have a dream that was never really theirs, that was put in their mind. And then they want to turn around and they want to blame it on somebody. But the reality is, is we were selfish and we had desires and we were going to do whatever it took to go and put ourselves in that situation. And as a result, everything in life crashed. And that's why morality matters. That's why it's important that we have morality around our life and we understand it. Because without it, moral evil is introduced. And people suffer when moral evil is introduced. There's a second kind of evil that's out there. It's called a natural evil. And this is the things that happen naturally. It's the tsunamis. It's the, it's the earthquakes. It's the... Um, hurricanes that take place. And and natural evil is a result of sin being introduced into our world. And I love how one author explained it. He said, when we human beings told God to shove off, he partially honored our request. The earth was cursed, genetic breakdown and disease began, and difficulty became part of the human experience. And we told God, you know what? We can do this on our own. We can make our own choices. We know what we should have and what we shouldn't have. That's what happened to us. In Genesis 3.18, it says, because of sin, the ground will produce thorns and weeds for you. See, God did not create this world full of evil and full of suffering. In fact, that was never his intent. And I know some people are like, but TJ, did, did he know? Didn't he know that evil be introduced by our choices? Of course he did. I mean, he's an all-knowing, all-powerful God. And, and so I know some of you guys are gonna say, well, then why did, why did he go ahead and create things? Why did he go ahead and do all this? If, we were gonna, if he knew that we are gonna suffer through all this stuff, why would he do that? And I would ask you as a parent, uh, how many parents are out there? The majority of you. Okay, so you guys will all relate to this. You all wanted to have kids probably at some point. Am I correct in that? If you're a parent, maybe, maybe you didn't want to have kids. Maybe you, just, <laughs> maybe you just got stuck. I'm sorry. I can't help that. <laughs> I can tell you how to prevent that, but you know that's another sermon. In fact, we just got done with that series. So uh, if you need to hear that, you can go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but when you were thinking about having children, you realized that, you know what? If I have these kids, you know what? There could be some problems. They could, have, uh, they could be deformed. They could have some mental disabilities. Maybe they will choose to do some things that I would not be pleased with. Maybe they're gonna make some bad choices in life. Maybe they're gonna reject me. But instead of saying, you know what? I'm not gonna have kids because of that. You said, you know what? I think I'm gonna take the chance because you know what? Even though they could reject me, there's the opportunity that they might love me and I'm gonna take the chance and I'm gonna have kids and I'm gonna raise them and I'm gonna do everything that I can because I believe the reward of having kids is worth the risk that that might not happen. And God said the same thing to us. He said, you know what? I believe the reward is worth the risk. I know that some people are gonna reject me. I know that some people are are gonna run from me, but I'm gonna send my son so they can have a life and they can have it more abundantly. And I'm gonna believe that people are gonna grab hold of that. They're gonna love that. They're gonna love me. We're gonna have a relationship. And the risk of them falling into sin is worth the reward of us eventually having a relationship. And so God said, you know what? It's worth the risk. And so we gotta understand that God is not the creator of difficulties, but God can use those difficulties that we face in our lives for good. God can use the very things that we're facing today for good. And, and what we gotta understand is pain has the ability to draw people to God. I don't know why it is, but some, for some reason, people only change because of two reasons, typically. One is pleasure. And typically they don't change because of pleasure because it's too easy just to continue in the same cycle because it feels good. But the real main reason that people change is because of pain. When I'm in pain, I wanna get myself out of that situation. Anybody else feel that way? A couple of people maybe? You know, I wanna get out of that situation whenever is pain is involved. And, and C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasure. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I don't know about you, but that has been my experience all of my life. When I'm in the most pain is when it seems like God is most present. You know, when when things are going good, man, man, my marriage is good. You know, finances are flowing. My cars don't have any problems. You know, there's an abundance of stuff that I wanna do. I don't really even know that God is around. But when things start to turn in the other direction, I'm like, hey, God, here I am. Check me out. I need some help down here. The first thing I do is is I pray, God, help me. God, come and intervene in my situation. And 2 Corinthians says this. It says, distress... Drives us to God. It turns us around. It gets us back in the way of salvation. We never regret that that kind of pain. But those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets and end up on a deathbed of regrets. It says distress drives us to God. And so what we got to understand is that the difficulties in life are there so that it can drive us back to God, so that God can do something in our lives. And and I read this book called A Healing Place by Joni Erickson Tata. And and this was a woman that when she was 17 years old, she was paralyzed uh, from the neck down and she was never able to walk and for over 40 years she's been living paralyzed in a wheelchair Um, and she wrote these words about the pain that has drawn her to God. She said, I would rather be in this wheelchair knowing knowing God than on my feet without him. I would rather know this pain knowing God than be on my feet without him. And what we got to understand is, is this some difficult times took us to some negative places, but they brought us to God. It's a good thing. If that bankruptcy that you've been facing brought you to your knees, but it brought you to God, it's been a good thing. If that cancer that you've been battling, that you've been working through brought you to your knees, but brought you to God, it's a good thing. If that relationship, that, that tension that's been in that relationship has caused you to come to God, even though that tension has been hard and it's been painful, it's a good thing because it's brought you to God and the difficulties in life. God wants to use those for our good because here's the thing in that whole thing God uses the pain to sharpen our character in those difficulties God uses that pain to sharpen our character we've all heard the statement no pain no gain most of us want this whole idea of just no pain no pain right we don't want any gain we just want no pain whatsoever but without the pain there isn't gain when Shayla and I were first coming to start Coastal Community Church a little over two years ago um as we were going through all the assessments, getting ready to make sure that that people said, hey, these guys can actually do this, and they might actually be successful. I remember one of the questions that they asked us about uh, planting a church is, is at what size would it make you quit? At what number would you say, this is too small for me to pastor a church? And I remember, I was like, if it was ever below 75 people, I would quit. And, um, and so we started the church, and in the first couple of weeks, we were doing really, really well. You know, it's new, it's kind of different. Uh, people were like, well, we'll go check it out. And uh, within seven weeks of us starting, we had a service where we had 63 people. And, uh, and it was in that moment that I felt the most amount of, of shame in my life, the biggest amount of failure. Um, in that moment, I was like, God, I, I think I'm, I'm about ready to quit. And uh, and I remember saying to my wife, I, I, think, I think that this is, I don't think this is going to work. Um, you know, I know that God has called us. I know that he said he'll do great and amazing things through us, but I just don't know that this is going to work out. And, uh, I remember going and and just talking to God and just being like, God, this sucks. Uh, I, I left a church of thousands and, and I left this and I left that to come to this and not that those 63 people weren't important. Uh, But what God was doing in that moment is is he was talking to me about the fact that uh, I wanted him to do something through me when God wanted to do something in me. And what we don't realize is that without any struggle in life, there is no strength that's built. And there's gotta be some struggle for strength to come into your life. Because if we don't ever struggle and we don't ever push and we don't ever max out, then strength is never built. And God is about building some character within us. And it's gonna take some pain, it's gonna take some struggle within us, but God is gonna use that so he can sharpen and he can build character inside of each and every one of us. And he also realizes that, that, that God sees the big picture and we don't. And that's a huge problem for us. I don't know about you guys, but I hate the fact that I don't see the big picture. I want to know exactly why this is happening, how it's happening, when it's going to be over with, so I can get it done with. Anybody else like that? A couple people, yeah. I, there's, the rest of you guys, we need to pray for you, because you just like suffering, and there's just something wrong with that. I'm just telling you that right now. But I mean, it's, it's man, I want it done with. And I remember as a kid, as at three years old, I, I fell off a chair and broke my arm. And, uh, and my parents noticed that there was something wrong with my arm. And, and every time they would touch it, it would, it would hurt. And I remember going to the hospital as, as, a, as a three-year-old and them going in there. And they had to straighten out my arm to do an x-ray to see what was wrong with it, to get it in, inside of this x-ray machine at the time in in the Chicago area and, and I remember them pulling on my arm and me just, I just remember freaking out because I knew when they touched my arm, it hurt. And I didn't care what they were trying to do. I just knew that when they touched it, it hurt. And as they were straightening it out, they knew that they had to straighten it out to get it in an x-ray machine so they could see what was wrong, so they could diagnose the problem, so they could fix the problem. But in that moment, I didn't care what they were doing. I just wanted the pain to go away. See, I could not see what the nurse was seeing. I could not see what my parents were seeing. They knew that they had to get me in that situation so they could fix the problem where all I saw was the pain that I was experiencing. And that's what so many of us deal with as well, is we just see the pain that we're experiencing and we're like, man, I don't want to let go. And just like I couldn't comprehend as a three-year-old, a lot of us cannot comprehend as a 40-year-old what God is trying to do in our lives right now. And the pain that we're experiencing when we're saying, God, why is this happening? And it hurts so bad. And I don't know how to make it through this. I don't know what I'm going to do with my finances right now, man. I can't even pay my mortgage and, and my kids have bills and, and all this stuff is going on, man. The pain is so great. And God is saying, you know what? I want to do something great through that. I want to use that in the long run and things that you can't see right now to do something supernatural in your life. And sometimes we don't understand why God is allowing that stuff in our lives and we start to blame him. And we start to to say, God, you're you're messing with my stuff because we don't have his perspective. And perspective changes everything. Perspective changes everything. About nine years ago, um, One of the, the biggest tragedies in our family ever ever happened. My my wife's next youngest sister, her name is Shannon, was uh, was getting ready to get married. In fact, it was her wedding day and uh and it was it was at her grandparents' property and um there was there was like two hundred plus people at this wedding. It was gonna be a phenomenal wedding. She had found uh the love of her life. It was a guy named Mark, and he was a great guy. He loved God, and, and uh, God was doing some great things in their lives. In fact, the church where I had just stepped down from was actually thinking about them being the youth pastors, uh, the next youth pastors at this church. They didn't even know it at the time, um, and I don't think I've ever even told anybody that, but um, they were thinking about making them the new, next youth pastors, and uh, they, were even in the, they were in the consideration, and um, they were getting ready to get married and, and Shayla and her sisters and, and her sister Shannon were all upstairs. They were all the bridesmaids and they were all getting ready. Uh, Shannon was in her dress. All the guests had arrived. It's like two minutes before the wedding and the groom has not yet arrived. He and his brother, who was his best man, had not arrived yet. And, and see, he, he wanted to surprise her uh, because he knew that her favorite car in the world was a Dodge Viper. And so he was going to pull up in a Dodge Viper and they were going to leave in a Dodge Viper and, and go after their honeymoon. And then he's like, man, this will be awesome. And so he was killing Tom so that she didn't see the car. And so, but... Th- what was happening is, is it was getting time for the wedding and, and he w- had still not arrived. And so it's time for the wedding and he's still not there. And we're like, where, where's Mark? You know, somebody needs to find Mark. Somebody call Mark and, and Mark's not answering his phone. And so, um, and, and what we found out is, is the pastor wasn't there yet either because what had happened is as, as he was killing time, he decided to drive past the street where our grandparents lived. And he was just driving down and a dog ran out in front of the car. And instead of hitting the dog with the car, he swerved and he ended up hitting a tree. And before we knew it, he was being bay flighted. He was ta- being taken in a helicopter to St. Petersburg because he had internal in- injuries that were not sustainable. And I remember getting the phone call saying, hey, Shannon, you know, you're supposed to be getting married right now, right at this minute. But they're taking your husband in a helicopter because they don't think he, or your soon-to-be husband in a helicopter because they don't think he's gonna live. And I remember seeing the despair just come over everybody's face and the fear just go across every single person that was there and, and just seeing Shannon and her, her parents just jump in a car and just take off, her and her wedding dress. I mean, they didn't even care that everybody just took off. I remember grabbing all the kids in a, in a minivan and, and just taking off for the hospital and I remember getting to that hospital and they had arrived a little bit before us and, and walking into the hospital and they had these padded rooms where they, where they put people that were going through tragedy. And I remember walking in and seeing through the little window, Shannon just beating her fists against the wall saying, why me? Why me? Because on that flight, Mark died. And you say to yourself, man, how can, you know, that's a horrible, horrible thing. And in that moment, we couldn't see the big picture. We didn't understand why any of this was happening. And, and her attitude was, why me? Why me? But let me just tell you something. One day, we'll see the big picture, and that attitude will change. Everything will change about that moment. Because this is the thing that I know about God. Is God is accomplishing something positive out of the negatives in our lives. God is taking something, the negatives that are happening within us, and he's accomplishing something positive out of it. We can look at the life of Joseph Joseph was the, one of the youngest of his brothers and he, his, he was favored above all the other brothers and his brothers hated him and they ended up selling him into slavery and he ended up going and being in Egypt and getting thrown into prison and spending years and years in prison and coming out of that and he ended up being the saving grace to his family to the very brothers that ended up throwing him into prison. And I love what it says in, in Genesis 50, 20. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is being done now. What is being done? The saving of many lives. Let me just tell you, you might not understand, you might not uh, not comprehend what God is doing, but God is using the tragedies of your life to cause something good to take place. And let me just tell you something about Shannon. A year later, Because it was such a a random thing, very seldom. You know, it happens in movies all the time. People's fiancés die on the way to the wedding. But in real life, that doesn't happen. And Montel Williams called her up and said, would you come on my show and talk to people that are suffering with tragedy. And she ended up going on the Montel Williams show in front of millions of people and telling her story and telling that even though this tragedy happened, that by the grace of God and by his power and by his strength, she was able to stand and stand tall and that God had done a miracle in her life. And he had set her free from that burden and that pain and that and that he was moving and shaping. And she got to pray with people. She got to minister to people. And God took something that was one of the greatest tragedies of her life and turned it into something. Something great that he could use for his glory and for his renown. And I want to tell you something today. It doesn't matter what tragedy you're going through, no matter what you need, God is going to cause something good to come from that if we stay true to him and we love him and we, we keep going after God. Because here's the deal. Our difficulty doesn't it compare to, eternal, to eternity's glory. And God wants to do something eternal out of the tragedy that we're facing today, out of the difficulty that we're facing today. And I don't wanna minimize the hurt or the pain or the circumstances that you're going through because I know some of you guys are facing some unbelievable circumstances today. I mean, some of you guys are facing some things relationally that I cannot even comprehend. I mean, they're just so big and they're just so profound and they're just so overwhelming. Some of you guys are facing some financial difficulties where you're like, man, I don't know where the next meal is gonna come from and and I don't know how I'm gonna make this work. Some of you guys are facing some things at your jobs or maybe you lost your job and and you're like, I don't know where I'm gonna find another one because just like you said, 15% of the people are, are fighting for that same job that I want, but this is what I know. So many of you are going through those difficult situations right now, but 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, it says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though the going is rough for a while down here. These trials are only a test of your faith to see whether or not it is strong and pure. It is being tested as fire tests gold and purifies it, and your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. Your faith will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day of Christ's return. How can we understand that? I mean, that that sounds great. I mean, that's, that's like a good Hallmark card right there. But imagine this. Imagine January 1st of 2011 being the worst possible day of your life. Imagine you walked into work on, on January 1st, 2011 and you got fired. And as you, as you were going and you were leaving your job, you found out that the, the stock market crashed and your entire por- portfolio was gone. And as you were driving home, um, you got in a car accident and the person you hit was your wife. And your wife, when she was brought to the hospital, came down with some uh, rare form of cancer that was incurable. And, and, and on top of that, your best friend betrays you and they spread rumors about you. It is the worst possible day of your life. But for the rest of 2011, uh, maybe a rich, uh, it's totally different. Maybe a rich uncle that you never met and you never knew leaves you $50 million. Maybe uh, you got the, dr- the job that you've always dreamed of that it not even work to you. It's more like fun happening every single day. Uh, the, the investments that you made with that $50 million made you one of the richest people on the face of the earth. And now you are just swimming in money like the old McDuck guy used to swim through the, uh, from DuckTales on the beginning of that commercial or that TV show. Um, you know, and, and you got to go to the Masters and the NBA finals and, and the uh, Super Bowl, and you got to go to the NCAA tournament and watch every game that you wanted to see, and you just got to have all these incredible things. Your wife was miraculously healed. Your marriage is better than it's ever been. In fact, your first kid is on the way, and your wife insists on naming him after you. And somebody comes up to you and says, man, how was, how was your 2011? You'd be like, man, it is freaking amazing. You would not believe what happened to me. But they would say, well, what about, didn't you have that one day? That one day that really sucked? I mean, it would just, it was terrible. Yeah, but man, it pales in comparison. It pales in comparison to the rest of the year. And that's exactly what God's saying. He's saying, you know what? You might face some difficult times right now. Man, it might be a little bit difficult. But on, on day 5,555,289 of being in heaven, there, somebody's gonna walk up to you and be like, "How is life been? You're gonna be like, it is unbelievable. I mean, I'm experiencing the presence of God like I've never had before. It is amazing. I've got this mansion in heaven that's fly. I mean, I've got gold streets. I got pearls everywhere. I mean, dude, I'm, I mean, I'm like... The man up here. And uh, they're going to be like, well, didn't you have like 72 like really bad years? And you're like, man, those 72 bad years, they pale in comparison to what I'm experiencing now. And what we got to understand that 2 Corinthians tells us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And let me just tell you something. God loves every single one of you. He loves you so much more than you can ever think, than you could ever imagine, than you could ever comprehend. And all of us, we have a choice here today. We can choose to blame others for the situation we're in. We can choose to become angry and upset and really choose to become bitter in life. Or we can choose to become better. We can choose to put our trust in God. We can choose to turn to him for peace and for strength and for comfort and for care. Because, I mean, every single one of us have seen examples of people that have been in the same situation and one has chosen to become angry and bitter and their lives just continue down that path. And everything is always somebody else's fault. And it's never okay, and it's never gonna work out, and it's, it's like the most depressing person to be around. And then we've chosen, seen people that have chosen to say, you know what, I'm gonna put my trust in God. I'm gonna believe that there is a better day ahead, that, that God is gonna cause these difficulties that I'm facing right now to do something good in my life. And I want to tell you today, many of you are facing difficult circumstances and difficult choices. And a lot of you are choosing to try to figure it out on your own and trying to do it on your own. And and you're wondering why nothing's changing. And we've all heard the thing, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, you can continue to do that, but you're going to continue to end up in difficult situations. You're going to wonder, why can't I ever get out of this? Why can't I ever find any peace? Why can't I ever find any comfort? Why can't I ever find any purpose in life? And I want to tell you today because you've been making the wrong choice. Today, we need to, instead of choosing to run to what we think we should be doing, we need to choose to run to God. We need to choose to run to God and we need to have this attitude of surrender and say, you know what, God? Man, I'm going to trust in your goodness. I'm going to trust in your character. And I'm gonna I'm put you first in my life. You know, I've, I've put a lot of other things in, in that number one spot in my life. And we talk about this all the time here. What is number one in your life? And a lot of people are putting a relationship number one in their life. A lot of people are putting their money number one in their life. A lot of people are putting their job number one in your life, saying this is the most important thing to me. And God, what he wants from us is to say, you know what, I'm gonna remove those things from that spot and I'm gonna put you here. God, you're gonna be first. When I'm facing a difficult circumstance, I'm not gonna run to my friends or I'm not gonna run to any of those other things. I'm gonna run to you. I'm gonna run to you. Nahum 1.7 said, God is good, a refuge in tough times. He welcomes anyone looking for help, no matter how desperate the trouble. And see, we gotta get past ourselves. Because the reality is, is the majority of us and this is just our nature in America is to put on a front and say man everything's good everything's fine and we are the biggest group of people that is full of crap we put on masks every day and say man we're all good because we don't want to burden anybody else but that is exactly the opposite of what God wants us to do God says, man, bring be real with me. He come after me with all that junk. Said, man, God, I'm screwed up. I'm messed up. I'm jacked up. I need your help. Don't hold anything back. I mean, listen to that verse. He says, man, I'm a refuge in tough times. I don't know about you, but sometimes we need some place to be a refuge in our life. And it doesn't matter what you're carrying today, what difficulty you're facing. We need to allow God to be that refuge. Maybe for some of you, it is your finances. Maybe today is the day that you need to trust God and put him first in your finances and say, God, I'm gonna trust you on my top. Maybe it's relationally. Maybe your kids have been number one in your life or your wife has been number one in your life and you need to say today, you know what, God? I'm gonna put you first there. And my number one priority is gonna be you and I know that as I become more like you, That love and and that adoration and those relationships are going to go to another level. Maybe it's been your career and you've neglected a lot of other areas and it's it's been the driving force of your life, and today is the day you need to say, God, you know what? I'm gonna put you as the driving force of my life. I don't know what it is for you. But today is the day that we need to choose. In the difficulties that we're facing, in the in the pain that we're experiencing, to say, "God, I choose to run to you," because running away from God never brings peace, it never brings comfort, it never brings courage, but running to Him does. Let's pray. God, we just come before you today. We just thank you so much. You're a God of peace. You're a God of comfort. You're a God of care. You're a God of restoration. And I know so many people today are facing difficult times and they don't know how to manage the difficulties that are happening in their life. And they've been running to a lot of other things, thinking that it will bring them peace and it'll bring them comfort and it'll bring them substance, it'll bring them value. And they have found none of that in those things. In fact, all it's done is created more chaos in their life. And I believe that today, you wanna break some people free of that. But it starts with a decision. It starts with us choosing to run to you. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, man, there's some of you guys that are out there today, you've been choosing to do it your own way. And today you need to say, you know what? I choose to run to God. I choose to run to God. And if that's you, if you just slip your hand up real quick, real quick. Yes, yes. Anybody else? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? One more minute. I know there's somebody else in here, man. You've been running from God. And it's time for you to come back to him. Yes, ma'am, thank you. God, we just come before you. And we choose you. We choose to run to you because you are our everything. In the difficult circumstances that we're facing today, God, we've been looking for everything else to bail us out, but the only bailout that we have is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gave us a relationship with you. And today we choose you. We don't choose our own ways, we don't choose our own paths, but we choose your path. And God, I pray today that you would come and you would bring peace and you would bring comfort and you would bring healing to people that are broken and hurting. And God, that you would move in their lives and transform them from the inside out. God, thank you for your amazing grace that covers us in Jesus' name.